If you're scared to ask for money, you'll never make money in real estate, period. Like some of you, I started investing in real estate with literally no buyer's list, no friends and family with this type of money to lend to me, and no knowledge of where to find these type of people, let alone why they would trust investing with me, right? So to this day, though, I have private money lenders, the top three that I found with spending no money on marketing through networking events, a mentorship program I was in, and Craigslist. Yes, ladies, Craigslist is better than just for couches. Hey, 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 welcome back. Now, today's show is going to be about getting the money, okay? Because all deals need to be funded. All life aspects need money, okay? So that's what we're talking about today. Now, whether you have a long-term or short-term investment strategy, private money is the single most effective way to fund the growth of your real estate portfolio. Borrowing money from private lenders is just like very similar to borrowing money from a bank, except private money lending is easier and it doesn't have like the stringent lending criteria that banks must follow. Private money lenders can offer very cost-effective rates and flexibility with their terms and interest payments. And what I personally like the most is that they don't require as much paperwork as a conventional or even government-backed loan. Now, before you get too excited, go ahead and subscribe to this audio if you're listening to this show on podcast or Subscribe to our channel if you're listening to my my video here on YouTube, okay? And I really want you guys to be able to leverage this strategy in your own business, so stay tuned. Now, before you call your prospect, the number one thing that you must do is research them. Okay, so if you met someone at a networking event, you'll want to do some research and find a common interest. Now, this is critical to your success as building rapport is the number one way to make a prospect feel more at ease. You can do this in a few different ways. First, remember how we asked their favorite sports team, usually at the networking event or if they told you one, you know, of their secret you know, interests or hobbies or anything like that, research that and find out the last time they played uh, that sport, if they're interested in sports, the last time that they went to that nail shop, if they're interested in spa or nails, uh, anything of their favorite team. Um, you know, another option is to Google their name and see what comes up. You can also use social media, which is the social hype right now going on and Facebook them or look them up on LinkedIn even. Basically, all you're doing is finding something you can talk to them about to build rapport. That is super, super important. For example, remember like, okay, let's just say there's a girl named Christy um, that I met at a networking meeting, okay, or like a meetup. She didn't have a favorite sports team, so I looked her up on Facebook and I saw that she moved here from, uh, from Connecticut, and, and from skimming through her pictures, I saw that she likes outdoor activities just like I do. She loves horseback riding. I am a huge horsebacking fanatic, okay? And she also um, loved dolphins. And 
ironically i love dolphins too she had a picture with this super cute dolphin and i was like yes honey that's what i want to do swim with dolphins so there was our common interest now the next step that you want to take after you research your prospect is that prospective lenders you already know really exist Okay, and what I mean by that is lenders that you already know are the best type of lenders you can have because you already have things to talk about and possibly a level of trust already established with people that you know that you can flip into lenders. Now, how you qualify these prospects uh, these prospective lenders will really vary on the level of relationship that you have with them, depending if they're a friend or a family member or just a close business friend, even since those are different. And if they are close friends or family, you may just jump straight to setting up a meeting with them, right? Now, if they are someone you don't know as well, or maybe have not talked to in a while, an email or even a letter is a great way to kind of break the ice before setting up the meeting. Now, once you finish kind of going through your mental Rolodex or your contacts log to find those prospective lenders or people that you know, friends and family that you could flip into private lenders, the next step then is doing business the right way and setting yourself up for success. Like your reputation is critical to your business. Like you always want to operate with integrity, both ethically, but also morally and legally. Doing business the right way will definitely build your business by bringing in repeat investors and customers and really generate positive referrals like word of mouth referrals is how I initially grew my network which is now grown over to over 2,000 real estate professionals that includes mortgage brokers lenders attorneys realtors brokers like there's so many people that can grow and and kind of blossom from where you start but you have to start the right way okay now, the next part of this that I really, really, really want to touch on that's going to be critical for you guys to know is about the super important documents that you should also provide to your investors to secure their investment capital. Because the number one thing you want to do with investors is help them to really play defense. And what I mean by that is defend their capital as if it was your own. So you really want to go into that first meeting with them, which is the next step is setting up a private money meeting. Um, you really want to go into that on defense or with defense, excuse me, not on defense. You want to be on offense, you know, playing for the win, but you really want to be on defense mentally. And how can you secure their bag? How can you secure their initial um, investment capital so that they can repeat their investment with you, rolling over their funds and also refer others to you within their own network? So now that I have made some connections. For example, earlier I was talking about Christy and from that networking event and we have a lunch. It's time to really get down to business. Now, this is going to really give you an overview of the private money meeting, the points that you want to hit and how much time you might spend on each of those points. But remember, the flow, the natural flow and vibe of that conversation is going to be based on what you get back from the other person, like you become a listener. OK, you're going to have to be just that a super good listener and use your emotional intelligence to really make adjustments based on what the lender tells you about their own sophistication, their ego and what really drives them. 
Now, practice is the key component to all of this. So you have to really know your stuff. Like you don't want to just wing this meeting, right? So this meeting might get your foot in the door, right? But it is not going to close the deal for you. This is just intended as a first meeting or introduction to be the catalyst for everything that is to follow. And people are going to buy into this because they like you. So rapport building and confidence are also incredibly important. And we want to go ahead and let's go ahead and walk through this, okay? Because getting money and getting deals funded is definitely key to your success as a lasting real estate investor. Now, we already know how valuable investing in real estate can be. And why not then just take it a step further and reinvest the money you've earned by using the same type of underlying security, private mortgages for real estate? Well, private money investing includes directly lending your private money to individuals or professionally manage real estate funds while securing that loan with a mortgage against real estate. And private mortgage lending is an alternative to conventional real estate lending where private individuals or people and or private funds take on the role as the leader and or the bank. Okay, and so traditional real estate lenders include like banks, government agencies, insurance companies and even pension funds. More and more, however, private individuals or even professionally managed funds are investing in real estate loans to meet the need of certain types of real estate borrowers, especially beginning borrowers. So there are many benefits to becoming a private lender and working with them as well. And if you approach it the right way, you can really eliminate many of the risks and truly establish your financial strength. The first thing, though, that you need to ask yourself is whether or not you can afford it, meaning can you afford to, can the deal afford, right, to be privately funded? And the answer should be yes, because private capital is usually a lot easier and a lot cheaper to get than, com than conventional financing. So like if your deal worked based upon you doing your numbers and running your numbers off of conventional financing, like a 30 year mortgage um, at like a 6% interest rate that you can get from the bank or even a 4% interest rate, which is much lower, um, your numbers should definitely work for private lending. However, a lot more uh, especially now, it's 2020, the year 2020, so a lot more private lenders are becoming more sophisticated and they are um, expecting a higher interest rate or charging a higher interest rate. So it, although it's cheaper than hard money, it's kind of like that middle ground between conventional financing, which is super cheap um, and super, you know, conservative or so, versus... Um, hard money, which is very expensive. So it's like those are the polar opposites and private money lending is right in that happy middle ground where you really do want to be. So just because um, you may know someone that has some money sitting in a bank, it doesn't mean that you should just approach them with the idea of telling them that they should throw it all into an investment opportunity. Like it's not that plain and simple. Like don't have your friends and family or others you know become a private lender if they can't take the time to really understand the risks and how to mitigate those risks. And you need to be educated on those things as well. 
However, if you are ready to take advantage of the opportunity to flip or wholesale properties using private um, equity as your financing model, but you just aren't sure of your friends and family ability to do so, well, don't worry about that either. Like, there's a solution for that as well that lies in a fund structure. So just remember, be so smart as an investor that even your money is out making you more money, no matter how big or small that pot for you is starting out. So let's talk a little bit um, more about really the anatomy of a private money loan, like the makeup of it, like what is it essentially? So in order for a private money loan to work, three elements really need to be in place. First, a borrower, second, a lender, and then third, a lot of paperwork, right? So a private money lender is essentially an investor who makes loans secured by real estate, like we mentioned earlier, and they're typically charging higher rates than banks, but also making loans that a typical bank would not make. While banks and other institutional lenders do offer um, the lower interest rates, they simply do not provide the same combination of speed and transparency in that decision-making process, along with the quick access to capital that hard money can. So your job to be an, a successful investor is that you must truly understand the ins and outs of raising money. And if one day you want to become a successful private money lender, you need to know even more, right? So um, that starts with lenders really like identifying who, who the strongest borrowers are. And without money, real estate investing just does not exist. Like real estate investors need to actively work on bringing in private money loans to fund their investment opportunities. And when a good deal and an investor are sitting face to face, the investor's job is to work quickly to beat out the competition. And in order to make an offer on a piece of property, it is expected and often required that the investor pairs their offer with an earnest money deposit. And in most cases, investors can't use their own personal capital, so they have to raise capital from private money lenders ahead of time. And even if an investor has the capital to use, it's not recommended that they use it, right? So if you do have the money, it doesn't, it's not always recommended that you use your own money in order to protect your own nest egg, especially, especially early on starting out. Because investors, especially beginning and or seasoned really, must reduce their overall risk to keep their business running efficiently. And using your own capital is just not a very savvy business decision, period, point blank. And the doors um, that are opened by attracting like private lenders will position an, an investor's business for immediate success. Like, trust me on that. Because instead of investors having to, to pool money or stretching every last dollar that they have, private money really gives them the options and helps them to grow their business. Now, on another end, another key factor that out of all the available lending options, private money is often obtained the quickest. Like you can get that money accessed the fastest. When, when cash can, um, is obtained quickly though, a borrower or even you may close quickly on the sale of a property. Like that's a huge, insane benefit to beating your competition. 
because in a fast appreciating market such as here in California where I am, especially the multifamily market niche that I'm in, the, the, the money sacrifice at the closing table is offset by the benefit of immediate appreciation or like a shorter timeline for redevelopment. So while at a first glance, it may look like the borrower is paying too much to acquire these loans, it is still a better option to utilize other people's money or what you may hear in the industry called OPM to reduce your overall risk and also keep your business running more efficiently because the return in the long run is definitely well worth it. Now, Borrowers do come in all different like shapes and sizes and from all different aspects of the business. But overall, there are really four different categories of borrowers in real estate investments. Number one is the rehab and sell type of investor. Now, these are real estate investors who typically purchase a residential property and complete renovations with the intention of reselling once that project is complete. And borrowers in this sector really find private money attractive because conventional banks will often not lend on properties that are in poor condition. Also, it's because of the quick access to funds that allows the rehabber to really act quickly on new opportunities. And number two is the rehab or the rent or refinance type of investor. Now, there are also real estate investors who typically purchase a residential property and complete renovations with the intention of renting that property out for cash flow. The, the investor will use private funds until the project is complete and leased, and then they'll refinance with a conventional loan. And borrowers in this sector find private money super attractive also because Conventional banks will often not lend on properties that are in poor condition, like if the property needs work or there's any structural or mechanical issues, you typically cannot have that property to qualify for conventional bank financing, which is also just as a side note, that's a huge value added like proposition to give to a seller like this property does not qualify for conventional financing because the amount of work or the scope of work that's needed to bring it up to market value. And additionally, that also means that quick access to funds will in this scenario for this type of borrower or buyer or investor, it also allows this rehabber to really act quickly on those new competition um, opportunities as well. Now, number three is the builders and developers. And builders and developers, well, they will purchase vacant land to permit and develop into residential or commercial use. Now, this type of purchase falls outside of typical bank financing. Borrowers that are in this sector are interested in private money primarily based on the speed with which the funds can be available. And also many banks will not lend on speculative development. That means that development in and of itself, developing raw land, if you just buy land and wanna develop up any residential or commercial property, it means that it's speculative because you're really banking on the appreciation and the, the value maybe 18 months to, to longer out, right? Like you're speculating, you're guessing on what that value would be and what buyers at that time would be willing to pay for your new development. And banks don't like that. They see that more as super risky. 
And number four, that type of investor, buyer or borrower, is really the commercial investors. Okay, now that group of folks um, may seek to use private money as a quote-unquote bridge loan for a commercial property where a conventional bank will not lend on an unstabilized asset. Private money can, can also be used during the value add or like the leasing process until the borrower can obtain conventional financing once it's stabilized. So while private money loans are more expensive and often have more burdensome terms than a standard mortgage backed by the federal government like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loans, oftentimes a hard money loan is actually the best option for a borrower. Like you may need to resort to hard money even though it's super expensive because it is indeed the best option for you. Because like hard money lending is a fundamental tool for many real estate investors, both beginning and seasoned investors. And it's really essential to building and growing your real estate business. Like me and my team and myself even personally as well as professionally owe it to hard money for getting my business off the ground. Like where there were there cheaper ways to find money out there? Yes, probably so. But early on in my career, like tracking down that financing was not easy, as I can imagine, it's not that easy for you guys to do that as well. So I quickly found out that hard money was going to afford me the ability to grow my business at a very steady pace. And my success depended on a steady source of capital to get my deals funded, but not just funded, but for sure funded, right? Like, and consistently funded and also closed on time so I can make more confident offers to sellers, which is really the, the position that you want to be in, okay? Now, why beginning and seasoned investors really use private, private lenders? Like, the whole point is the speed to purchase, the quick turnaround time and the availability of funds it provides us with greater flexibility when we're making our offers and purchasing properties. Um, a private lender can usually underwrite and fund a loan in as little as 7 to 21 days. And most banks require between 60 and 90 days to approve and fund a loan open to close. Right. So there's a huge, huge time difference and shortage um, if you're using private money to fund your deals. The second reason is usually because it's asset based lending, which is huge. Private lending is primarily driven by the underlying value of the real estate, not necessarily your credit or your financial ca uh, capacity like this also means that private lending does not show up on your credit report. Like that's huge. So if you have like uh, some bad credit personally or even bad business credit, that doesn't mean that you still like all hope is gone and you can't qualify for a loan. These private loans are asset based lending, which means that they build on the value of the asset of the real estate and not even taking into consideration a lot of the times your personal or business credit. Right. So that's that's amazing. Um, another reason is for control and profitability. Uh, private lenders allow um, investors to really manage and control a project independently. And it increases that profitability by not taking on. So, yes, it definitely increases the profitability by not um, taking on equity partners as your source of capital 
which would require a percentage of the profit. So it really reduces your bottom line, um, you know, your, your profit line, essentially, and that's not the goal. <laughs> so taking on uh, equity partners as your source of capital. Yes, you can do it. Yes, people do it successfully. But again, it ultimately does eat away at your profit, which in your early stages of, of building your business, you, d you, you don't want to do like you don't need equity partners to be able to fund your deals for sure. Um, another reason why investors use private money lenders and why you should use it as well is because of the shorter term loans without prepayment penalties. And what I mean by this is uh, private mortgage loans typically have a shorter term than conventional loans, and that allows borrowers to complete the project, right? So you can buy a property on a shorter term, meaning that the, the, the loan is usually due within let's say as little as one to three months or more more common is like a six to 12 month loan sometimes they go out 24 months or even three years but the the, the whole basis is that they are a shorter term than conventional loans which conventional loans are 30-year mortgages that you typically would hear about for someone buying and living in their primary residence OK, so again, that really will allow you to complete the project and pay back the private lender without being subject to prepayment penalties. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term, prepayment penalties just means that if you pay off the loan early, then some banks or lenders would charge you a fee because they are, are giving you that loan, banking on you paying it back and paying interest through the due date of that loan. So for example, if I give you a private money loan for six months, I'm banking on making my X amount of dollars every month for the next six months. If you pay that loan back to me within three months, well, I essentially just lost three months of profit that I was expecting. So instead of collecting that full three months, I'm just gonna charge you a fee, a prepayment penalty fee for paying that loan off early which sucks, like you wanna stay away from prepayment penalty loans, but if it's a deal make or break scenario and it's the only lender that you have and all of the other terms and conditions of the money and the cost of the money makes sense to your deal, then you shouldn't be opposed to it. Um, if, if, if you can see you know, how the numbers work when you are selling your deal, uh, depending on how long you estimate your project to take. And the last most common reason why you would want to use private lenders is really the guarantee of the capital. So knowing that you will basically have like a big brother or big sister in your corner who has deep pockets will really allow you to reduce one of the major sticking points that you will typically have if you haven't been frustrated already with starting out is the access to having capital that is guaranteed capital. Like this will allow you to expand your business when you have a predictable and reliable source of capital for, for your deals. Like going to the table with a seller knowing, hey, I already have the money in the bag, not in the bank, right? From a private source of lenders that are willing to fund my deals. I just have to bring them the right deals. Like you are gonna sit a little taller. You're gonna arch your back a little bit more. Your posture is gonna be a little bit more on point because you know that you sit there with leverage and that leverage is in your financing, okay? So 
I do definitely want to touch on real quick, like the importance of understanding your lender, like what makes a good private money lender. And I would say it's two things. Number one, money. And number two, experience. The most successful private lenders have extensive real estate experience and a proven process to really identify powerful um, projects and opportunities. And successful lenders also tend to be hyper localized, meaning they are specific to an area that they invest in and they know it like the back of their hand because knowledge of the local real estate market is extremely important to enable property inspections and an understanding of the actual market values and transactions that are going on in that market. So as the investor in the deal, there are also plenty of reasons that this would give a private money lender to want to participate in your deal or in your projects. And as I've mentioned, lenders typically charge much higher interest rates than banks do. They do so because they fund deals that do not conform to those bank standards, such as like um, verification of your income, of your assets, or even your credit score. And we'll talk more about that in later podcasts or later shows, um, just about those kind of like different lender benefits and so on. A helpful tip that you want to probably remember is that Private money loans are also sometimes referred to as hard money loans. Another name for them are bridge loans or short-term loans. Um, some banks and people and institutions also call them traditional loans. You'll also hear them called asset-based loans and even rescue loans. All of those different loans are the same right? They all essentially are a form of private money loans. They're just named different, right? Okay. So there's eight key factors that you want to um, consider. Uh, As an investor, you must consider these several different factors in order to really determine whether or not a loan opportunity is viable from a private money lender. And these factors are often overlooked by inexperienced or even beginning and novice investors. But you want to have a a kind of dialed in working knowledge base of these factors. So number one would be the market value. Uh, Number two would be of knowing your credit, your personal credit. And if you've started to establish business credit, which I absolutely recommend that every single one of you do for access to additional guaranteed capital that can fund your repair costs and so on and so forth, which we'll talk about in a whole separate episode. It's all about business credit, but you want to have a working knowledge and understanding of where you stand credit-wise on your personal credit score. And if you need to work on uh, building it up, ideally to a 680 score or higher, that's when you're really going to see and feel and experience the benefits of credit and how there's insane leverage um, in that that regard. Now, although there is greater emphasis that is placed on the value of the real estate and analysis of your credit and your financial situation should always be completed by a lender and incorporated in the overall underwriting. So just because these are asset-based loans, meaning they're based uh, and funded off the value of the property, this essentially does not mean that they won't ask you what is your credit score and they won't run it, right? They should. They should if they're a good quality lender. And also the next um, factor would be your 
equity. So most lenders will require that you actually put some of your own money into the deal. You'll also hear this term as like skin in the game to prove a certain level of financial standing and that you are committed as well to the project. You're not just putting their money at stake. Okay. Now the next factor is having additional collateral. Like in some cases where your financial situation may not be as strong, additional outside collateral can be attached to the loan, which is also known as cross collateralization, which provides additional security to the lender. Like if they know that your credit is not good, you don't have a lot of money in the bank, but you own another property, whether it be an investment property or your primary residence, they will absolutely ask you to secure their loan by signing um, to agree that you use that as additional collateral to secure their investment, right? Now, don't be scared if they do that. That, that shouldn't scare you off because your intention should always be, remember, to actually pay your debt, like pay them back plus their interest at the completion of your project in full and on time without question, right? So the next key factor that I wanna talk about is really the lien priority. So most private um, mortgage lenders will require a first position lien on a loan to provide the greatest level of security. And a review of any existing liens at the time of the loan is included in your title insurance policy when you're going through a title company or title closing attorney to close. Okay, so really just the lien priority, meaning that the person who gives you the most money is in first lien position. That's called the lien priority would be first position. And most lenders want to be in that position because that means that if all else fails and you default on your debt and don't pay them back or can't afford to pay them back for any reason, they can foreclose and their lien will be given priority, meaning the first priority to be repaid once it sells at the foreclosure auction. Okay, so typically on a property, you can expect to see like one uh, or a first lien position and sometimes a second lien position. I've also seen third and fourths. Those are not ideal because it, it typically means that the property is like what's called over leveraged, like there's too much debt on the property. So it could be upside down, like a short sale scenario, which you absolutely don't want to have happen if you know, if, if you're borrowing capital to do these deals, you wouldn't want to be in a short sale scenario. But again, we'll talk more about that later. So just for that point, it was about the liens priority and just being aware that most lenders will require or or prefer, especially if they're starting to just first do deals with you to be in first lien position on the loan. OK, now the next key factor that I want you to consider is about the pricing strategy. So you as an investor will typically adjust the proposed loan terms and the pricing to account for deals that are more or less risky. That means that you can expect to pay more on, on in points, meaning the upfront or like the down payment on a loan to get the loan from the investor if the deal is more risky, meaning that the return on investment is lower uh, typically less or around 10% or less. That is considered to be a little bit more risky. It's a little more thin of a deal is what it's called in the industry. Um, so the lender could charge you higher, higher points to secure their investment. Okay, and that would make sense. The next key factor is the exit strategy for you. So the exit strategy that you use will often determine the viability or, or like the actual 
uh, reality of this deal coming to fruition from your perspective and will also dictate how the deal is underwritten. So your exit strategy matters. That means if you get the property under contract and before you close, you absolutely wanna know how are you exiting? What's your exit strategy is what it's called, right? What is the strategy or the plan that you have in place to get out of this deal and out of this property? Is that wholesaling? Is it fixing it, then flipping it and reselling it at higher market value? Is it buying it, fixing it, um, and holding it as a rental? Is it exiting by um, holding it as an Airbnb, doing short-term rentals? Like, what is that strategy for you? And that de uh, that determines if this is actually going to be a viable deal um, for the lender to consider. Okay. And then finally, it's due diligence. Like, it all boils down to due diligence, or also known as research. Um, because that really includes verifying that you have the appropriate insurance coverage on the property as well as the review of any third-party reports. And third-party reports can mean like anything from appraisals to property condition to environmental reports and, and many, many others. And we'll talk more about that later. But the essence is that these are the eight key factors that you want to consider um uh, learning more about before you pitch to a private lender because this is what they meaning the lender will consider these 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 factors um when they're deciding whether or not it's a good deal for them to invest with you on and again just to recap those eight it was market value your credit your personal credit or your business credit um, the equity that you have in the property any additional collateral that you may have the liens priority the pricing strategy, the exit strategy, and the due diligence. And really for the due diligence process, in order to safely and properly complete a private money loan, there is a good amount of due diligence that's needed. So while a conventional lender, meaning like a bank, may look straight up at the ability that you have to pay back the loan, the private money lender will really look at the property and its ability to repay the loan. So the knowledge to do good due diligence and access the viability of your project is why most successful hard money lenders have a background in real estate. Like that is what they do, is that whole due diligence or deal review process to make sure it's a sound, solid deal, which means that you can also go to them to have them underwrite your deals just as another um, you know, another person's perspective from the lending eyes on your deal to say, hey, is this a good deal? If you can get funding for that deal because an underwriter has underwritten it to see all the checks and balances it, to make sure they're in place and also kind of weigh the risks versus the the upside on the deal, that's what I would do. And that's what I absolutely did is, is have every single deal underwritten by a lender, if not a couple lenders, just to make sure that my numbers were not off and that the, the an underwriter would absolutely fund my deal if I needed them to. Now, regarding the required documentation, because you definitely want to know this part, um, because your investors are going to want to know this part. If they're not as sophisticated and let's say it's a mom or dad or sister or brother or aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa that you go to and you're asking them to become a private lender for your deal and you're pitching to them to, to, for, for private money, you're definitely going to want to explain the security 
like we talked about earlier, which is in the documentation. So the process and the documentation for a private mortgage loan are very similar to that of a conventional real estate loan. So you will basically sign what's called a promissory note, which is just a written promise to repay the loan under specific terms. And then also you'll sign a mortgage, which is a recorded document that basically serves as a security for your lender. So residential loans uh, may require an appraisal as well from an outside party. Also require a property inspection report, which you would have to pay for. Also a geology inspection, which is basically just based on the location of the structure or the, the property is sometimes needed. And also the financial records for yourself, meaning all of your proof of income documentations, those would likely be needed in the form of um, usually only bank statements, honestly, up to three months is what they should request, but sometimes they get fancy and want to ask for your tax returns and or pay stubs and, and just to verify that you do have a consistent monthly income, but not always. So don't be, don't be too like turned off by that. And an in-person inspection also of the property is almost always part of their decision-making process, meaning that the lender will have someone come out to the property that they hire and or choose and send um, to assess the condition of the property, which is why so many private money lenders choose to focus locally is so that they have the ability to come themselves or to send someone that they have local like presence with um, in the market of your, your actual property to come and, and put physical eyes on the property. So before they'll even consider the property though, they definitely will consider the neighborhood. So the types of people the neighborhood attracts will also basically determine the kind of people attracted to the property. So that's important for the investor, meaning you, as well as the lender, meaning the private lender, to know, or any lender for that matter, including banks. Um, they, they typically look at three things, which is number one, what competition is out there, number two, are there indications of uh, like disposable income, meaning money left over after people pay bills and or credit amongst the neighbors? And third is what kind of condition are the surrounding properties in, right? So they're not looking, they're looking to see are the neighbor's house fixed up and lawns manicured or are they a little bit in disarray as well? because each hard money lender's uh, requirements also tend to vary. However, the typical loan documents that are required for a hard money loan are pretty much the same across the board, plus or minus some of these docs, okay? Oh, it looks like my son is waking up, so I hope you guys can't hear him, but I'm gonna just keep on rolling with it just in case if he gets louder, then I'll do something about it. Otherwise, just hang with me, okay? So the typical loan documents, again, that are required, um, hashtag mom life and working. Okay. This is getting real. Uh, but I'm going to stick to you guys cause I I'm committed to you guys getting this knowledge in this game. Okay. So, um, those documents include number one, a letter of explanation, uh, a letter of intent. It's called an LOI. Your purchase and sale agreement is the next one, which is also called like an RPA or even a PSA is what it's abbreviated as. Number three is your preliminary title report that you get from your title company. Number four is title insurance. Number five is a proof of funds. Number six is your proof of insurance. 
Number seven is a personal guarantee that they'll have you sign. And number eight is the actual mortgage note. Now, I wanna make a real quick helpful tip here. Um, always double or even triple check your paperwork to make sure everything is in order and then verify it with an attorney. So if you actually just don't get it and don't get that paperwork, then you definitely need an attorney on your team to help you know and verify that information. Because a traditional one-page form note and two-page form deeds of trust are no longer um, able to really address the huge amount of issues in today's legal environment and environmental issues need to be addressed also with lending issues and enforceability of like those securities and protections so legal documentation should be at the level at a, at a level that is consistent with that employed by even institutional lenders such as banks okay only um, eliminating provisions in that note that may not be relevant or needed for your specific deal structure. Now, just a side note, it may be over a lot of your heads um, at this time, so don't get bogged down by this detail. But if you are familiar or have any type of familiarity with these loan structures, then special consideration also needs to be given to a well-drafted broker's affidavit, especially in states that a licensed real estate broker must broker um, an otherwise unethical loan. Okay. So again, if it's over your head, don't worry about it. But if it's not, then, and you know what I'm talking about, then just be mindful of that. So what I really want to leave you guys with, and the note I want to end on is really what had me kind of, um, stuck, which was really what attracts investors. Like that question just kept on playing on repeat in my mind. Like, what is it? What is it that they want to see? How do they want to see it? So that when I go, like, I am not only confident, I'm not only professional, but I'm ready. Like, I want to be on my game and on my toes. And I know that, especially for moms, we all really want to build wealth, right? Like, that's why we began investing in real estate. And as rookie investors become seasoned investors, then they usually strive to aim higher and really level up that level of wealth and knowledge and involvement in the industry. So leaving your hard-earned money in a savings account is definitely no way to protect and grow your assets. And at the end of the day, you are securing a loan with real estate that is worth much more than the loan. Now, if this is really done properly, then private money lending can definitely sometimes be a lot less risky to the investor than owning the real estate. Again, if it's done properly. So that is a huge attraction point for them is that it is actually less risky than them going out and owning property themselves. So it could be presented or even sold as a benefit of being less risky than owning real estate is that point, right? So the main attraction and the biggest aha takeaway moment from learning about and using private money even to this day is that it really should be no surprise that the biggest motivation for an investor is the return on investment, right? So money means security, for example, for you and your family and me and mine, and we all want that. So private money lending definitely has typically provided an annual return to the private money lender from anywhere between eight to 
And again, that's based on the historical interest rates charged by investors. Usually you can expect that they are gonna want or be willing to accept a rate, an interest rate between eight and 10%. If you're newer, then they probably will go higher. If they are more sophisticated, then they will probably go higher. But my first private money deal I actually did was at 5% interest rate. And she, it was a woman uh, private lender and she was ecstatic. It was the first time she was a lender and she really, really, really had a great experience. And she loved the fact that she was getting 5% because her retirement account was only producing 2%. She had CDs, certificates of deposits, if somebody here knows about that as well, that were only producing 2%. And her interest in the bank for her stack of cash that was sitting there was 1%. So 5% was five times higher than her lowest performing cash, right? So that, that was great. Now, there's a whole bunch of different comparisons of alternative investment returns, especially over a 10 year period that you can familiarize yourself with just so that you're aware of what other investment vehicles that people are in. And that's important because when you pitch to them, they may say, hey, you know, actually my cash is tied up in this, right? Or my cash is tied up in government bonds or my cash is tied up in corporate bonds or a senior loan or an international bond or uh, municipal bonds, right? Or maybe even a short-term term treasury or a high yield like these are terms that you want to start to get familiar with because they are fixed income asset class returns and they are standard right so that means that they provide a fixed income um, the private lending return again is between eight and ten percent inflation on average is usually about 2.24 percent um, however, it has gone up historically over 3%. So if they are telling you that they're in any of these different type of fixed income asset classes that are giving them a return that is less, okay, than inflation, and you can refer to it even at the either 2.24 number or I like to use the 3%, right? If somebody says, hey, yeah, I'm actually in a CD or I'm actually in a, in a senior loan or I'm actually in a short-term treasury, I'm like, great, how is that producing for you, right? And what kind of return are you getting on your investment that's, the, that, that's in that vehicle? And if they say, oh, I'm actually getting like um, a 2% return, I'm like, wow, right? So this is a person that I have mentally qualified to know that I can pitch the benefit of them, maybe not even switching, but just kind of refocusing or reallocating their capital um, to private lending because the returns are eight times higher. Or in that example, they would be, you know, at least five to six times higher than what they're currently getting, which is great. So that was like a huge aha and takeaway moment for me. Now, there are other pros and cons of private lending and as with any new business venture, a lot of private lenders will be lending to you probably for their first time and you will face the, you know people that have done it before or people that are new to it. And if they are new to it, then they will face both the positive and the negative circumstances at some point. And you, being a new investor, if you are new and not seasoned quite yet, 
then you're going to go through the same fates. So it's just important to continuously educate yourself so that you can help yourself, you know, grow, but you also help to stay on top of the education portion of educating your lenders if, again, this is a new experience for them. So the decision of whether or not to proceed with this money-making strategy really lies in that balance. Now, do the pros outweigh the cons for the investor? Well, you definitely want to review again, even if you have to go back in this audio and kind of, or video, and also just kind of review some of the biggest pros and cons with them so that you know how to present them to the lender or your prospective lender um, that are involved with private lending. So just to recap those real quick, some of the pros are that it's a reliable cash flow, again, with an expected return typically between eight and 10% annually. Also remember that this cash flow isn't your normal cash flow. Like this is cash flow that comes without having to rehab houses, without owning properties, without dealing with tenants, and without having to qualify for any mortgages. So that is a huge benefit to the private lender. Another pro or another benefit is that it is a security. It's a it's a capital preservation because loans are typically secured by this first lien priority lien on real estate properties. And again, um, that just means that it's the highest level of priority, it's the first lien position. And additionally to that, the LTV or the loan to value ratios are typically 60 to 70%, which allows the invested capital to really be preserved or protected in the event of a foreclosure or declining property values during the term of your loan. So all of that just goes to say that their capital is secured and protected because they're typically not going to give you 100% financing. That doesn't mean that they can't. It just means that it is less risky if they're only doing a 60 to 70% loan in first position. Okay. Now, the third benefit that I want to highlight is the investment diversification because investors are allowed to diversify their overall investment portfolio with real estate assets without being subject to property ownership headaches, which is huge. So these loans are um, also offer the same diversification benefits as property ownership, but with much more passive participation. Okay, now the fourth benefit that I want to highlight is that there is super low volatility, okay, because these loans are typically short term in length, meaning that they're usually going to be giving you 12 months or less to repay them by either selling the property or refinancing out, which can really mitigate the potential market risk and interest rate risk to the investor. So you want to sell them on the fact that this is very low volatility, it's not a high-risk investment, and even um, though it can be subject to market and interest rate risks, it's not typical because these are short-term loans, meaning that you're usually borrowing the cash for 12 months or less. And if you're if you're doing uh, rehabbing properties with the cash, you always just as a as a helpful tip want to make your note, your promissory note, like we talked about earlier, at least 12 months in length. Like I always write a 12 month minimum note, even if I think I'm going to sell the property and finish, um, you know, the flip in maybe four months, because then it just shows the investor how timely and consistent and his and you and you kind of build that trust and they'll maybe even invest more with you or again like we talked about refer other people to you because of the fact that you're getting their cash back to them quicker with more money to reinvest in the next project. 
Okay, now the last um, benefit that I do want to highlight is that it is a passive investment for them. So investments in private loans is a quote unquote passive investment in contrast with like direct real estate ownership because investing in a managed um, private loan fund is definitely more passive than being a direct lender because the fund handles all of the aspects of the lending process, right? So that just means if you're not going through an, um, an individual, like a person as the private lender and you're going through a fund, then going through a private loan fund is even more passive than a private individual lender. Um, because again, the fund is then handling all of these things and not a single person being responsible for that. And a helpful tip there is that leverage is really the key to accelerating your financial world. Like your next rehab property should not be bought with cash ever. I would say ever. Now, a lot of people would argue with me or some people may argue with me, but I would say as a rule of thumb, your rehab property should definitely not be bought with your own cash, even if you have it available. And that is not what, you know, a business-minded investor does. Like you want to earn money on your money, period. And I'll leave it there, okay? Because I can say so much, but I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it there. Now, there's other risks, um, you know, or other cons, like with pros, you always have cons. So there are some, and as with any investment, investing in private real estate loans, it does present inherent risks, right? So investors can mitigate some of those risks by investing with experienced private mortgage lenders who can properly analyze and also like identify and manage these risks for them. But again, you know, it, it's not FDIC insured like a bank and returns are not guaranteed. The market can be volatile, meaning it can be unpredictable. Uh, you as a borrower, especially if you're first starting out, you know, you can default on your loans and that that can be very stressful and problematic for, for the private lender. And even if your intention is not to, it's just, it's one of those things that can happen and that they will definitely bring up and that you want to be able to speak to about your plan in the event that if that does happen. Okay, um, you also want to make sure that your private mortgage lenders have familiarity with like the federal, the state and the local lending regulations to ensure that their loans are in compliance just as an added level of security for them and their cash. Um, another kind of con that I can think of off the top of my head is really like the duration of the projected cash flows. It may not be realized in the event of prepayment um, by you, right? So that goes back to if you pay off the loan early that and the investor was expecting a 12-month note and, and you pay it off in four months, then they really don't get that cash flow from the other months, right? Um, one side note is that to make up for that, you can definitely offer them to reinvest their cash into a new project, as but you would have to have a new project already ready to go, right? So that their cash is not just sitting around again. And reinvestment risk um, as exits if the capital is not really redeployed after the loan payoff occurs, right? So reinvesting, um, again, that's just super important um, if you want to keep their cash constantly in flow and constantly working for them so you keep them on board for any of your future real estate needs. So there we have it. So I want to also kind of 
um, let you guys know like I know that you just kind of consumed a lot of content this was a lot of information it may have been a lot of new information so kind of hard to still digest feel free to go back listen to certain parts or the whole kind of um, information again but I also want to just leave you with something else um, just a quick look and snapshot at an investment strategy because again there has to be a strategy behind every move that you make okay as a real estate investor it's super important that you really just move differently and you're strategic in that movement so let's take a look real quick at the investment strategy of one of my own affiliate lenders which is uh, imperium investments and their goal is really to produce attractive risk adjusted current returns to its investors by originating and or acquiring short-term real estate loans that are also secured by first position mortgages on non-owner occupied one to four unit residential properties. Um, they also do commercial, industrial, multifamily residential, and also even some entitled land, which is great. So that is the type of lender and terms and opportunities that you want to look for um, when you're developing your strategy. They do um, believe in the principle of like that capital preservation that we that we talked about and that it's really achieved by acquiring um, first position loans that are secured by real estate at the proper leverage, which is typically no more than 70% loan to value that they do. Okay. They also do look at the current income. Uh, the fund generates monthly income driven by the loan fees and also the interest rate charged to the investor or the borrower. In addition to the payback of the loan principal, which is typically less than 12 months. Okay. So they definitely will look at um, your income, but more so the assets income, meaning any rental income that's being generated from the property. The Imperium Fund also creates a very, um, they have loan diversification. They, they create a very highly diversified portfolio of real estate loans. And in order to limit the exposure to the investor, to you as the borrower, um, the property type, the geographic location of the property and the loan type are also um, components that they consider. They do allow private investors to invest in their fund. I am also invested as an equity partner into the Imperium Fund as well. And investors uh, can invest through their own self-directed retirement accounts to avoid paying ordinary income tax, which is huge. So that's the reason that I did it, just because I set up my self-directed retirement account and I didn't wanna pay the ordinary income tax, which my tax bracket is pretty high. So I did not want to be subject to those taxes um, on and being taxed on the income that I make after flipping properties. So that is why I redirected, self-directed my retirement account into this fund um, so that I can become a private money lender through the Imperium Fund as well. And even if you're feeling super overwhelmed or just bogged down by details, don't be, stop it. Just let your mind absorb and listen to and hear these terms and these opportunities and even more so the possibilities because they are truly, truly endless. And even if you aren't ready to take the next steps towards um, going out and pitching for private money, 
through lenders, it's good to know how to do it once you are at that stage of needing to do so. So whether this is the right fit now or a goal for you down the road, it is always beneficial to know how to get started with raising money for real estate to do your deals. Now, depending on your situation, there are different ways that you can go about proceeding with private money lenders. And you know, it, it, to each their own, but there are three major steps that I like to kind of give as caveats or heads up that will help to guide you towards the path that you need to really create a healthier wealth foundation. So those three are number one, I always uh, recommend that you verify the lender's qualifications and their net worth and what they're currently invested in. Number two is that you really want to determine their angle. So once you know that they are qualified, you want to determine what path they are looking to take in regards to what types of properties and for how long they're looking to invest um, their cash, right? So are they willing to lend on residential versus commercial? Are they willing to lend on short-term versus long-term on a passive um, strategy versus a direct strategy? Like you really want to get specific and really know them and what their investment criteria is. And you also want to develop your own investment strategy in that regard. And number three, you want to speak with professionals. So if you are interested in starting to raise money through private um, lenders, then you want to speak with the right people. If you choose to lend yourself directly, you should also speak with your professional and personal teams of professionals. Um, that may include like your escrow company, your title company, and even some attorney. So that's everything that I have for you guys today. I know this was a long episode, but I wanted to get you this information since so many of you are curious, asking, and, and really anxious to really get started with private money investing in the sense of going out and pitching for this private money, finding it so that you can stop having the setback or excuse or lack of motivation to get started because of lack of finance or funding or money or how to get your hands on it, right? So that you can build your own bag. Like you definitely have to do this. This is a necessary uh, component of building your real estate business. So just to recap again, with this whole strategy of raising money through private money lenders, number one, you wanna understand the anatomy or the makeup of a private money loan. Private lending is not something you can just jump into, right? Like it does take the time to do your research and really know what it takes to be successful so that you know how to better present and appeal and attract yourself to these private lenders. Number two, you also want to decide between a passive and active lending. Like if if your goal, like do you want to take a back seat or do you want to have the will in your hand basically? And passive lending means you you are essentially gaining passive income for the investors. And while active lending puts all of the responsibility more so in the investor's lap, right? So if they're passive, they're more so like a silent partner, it, but they're not partners, right? It's just like, it's kind of like that, that relationship, that business relationship. If they're active, it puts all of the responsibility in the investor's lap to have to manage everything themselves, okay? And number three, step three is take action. Go out there and like kill it. You definitely have to do that in order to get your start or to get you know, to level up to the, the next step in your business. So go and take the first steps towards speaking with professionals in your area, with friends and family, with researching or phone, uh, phone booking, whatever you have to do 
to get more information, to find these people. I also recommend visiting Imperium Investments for more information. And that is a resource that I will definitely leave you with. I know you guys got this in you to do. I know it sounds probably super exciting and exhilarating, but also a little bit nervous and sketchy. But guess what? Just calm your fears, swallow your pride, take a deep breath and go do it. Are you interested in becoming a real estate investor or sharpening your skill set by strategically combining the mom life with business through real estate investing? If so, and you want to learn how to do that with more inspiration and support in that process, join my free Facebook group at Beauty Boss Moms with the link in the description below. Tune in for the next episode. Bye. Bye.